Welcome back to the basement, boys and girls. You are now tuned in to Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am Kevin, as usual. Uh, thank you, loyal listeners, for returning, and new listeners, welcome. Uh, glad you chose to spend about an hour with us down here uh, this week. Uh, usually we, we do album reviews. We've been talking about issues. We've been talking about title, I think, a little too much. Hopefully we'll be talking about them ever again. Um, so this week we're going to take a break from that to talk with a guy who's made one of my favorite albums of 2015, which should come as no surprise since he made one of my favorite albums of 2014. I am referring to one uh, Louis Weeks. Uh, his album then, uh, Shift Away, uh, to be a really quick bullet-pointy hit here, uh, is a collection of songs that are very uh, sort of intimate portraits of, of little slices of life uh, wrapped in, in a cinematic, adventuresome, electronic at times uh, shell that uh, was way more sophisticated than I, I think you, you might expect from that type of music. Uh, the The short story on that one is that uh, Shiftway ended up being next level shit, which is not a phrase that I, I like to throw around too much, but this is sort of gross. Uh, but that's really the only way to describe it. Uh, that being said, his new album, Haha, ha, which is going to be out June 2nd, uh, could best be described as nexter level shit. Uh, to say that it is mind expanding is, is not doing it justice. So, uh, Louis stopped by the basement, uh, along with Noah Berman, who played guitar on, on Haha, ha, as well as a few songs on Shift Away, to talk about that new album. Uh, I think we sort of pick up uh, some conversations uh, that we've had sort of offline, but also in our last uh, conversation with him on the podcast we did with him back in the fall, uh, that come through that. And it's always nice to you know, go round two with somebody, because uh, they know what they're getting into, and, and uh, you know I know what I'm getting into, because often I don't. Um, so uh, him and Noah stopped by. We talked a lot about that. Talk about their upcoming show with uh, with uh, fellow creatures and the Elman Stories at the Howard Theater on the twenty eighth, and uh, and really uh, what Louis and his now band of six to seven people uh, are trying to do here in, in this crazy world of music, uh, and I would say are succeeding in doing. So that's what you got coming up, uh, which means it's time for me to shut up and get out of the way. Uh, so let's just get going on it. Here we go. Episode number 117 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. Round two with Louis Weeks and uh, his friend, bandmate, cohort, uh, Noah Berman. It happens here and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man. Nearly a two word review just a shit sandwich. That right there is a lot of a Now, uh, Louis, welcome back to the basement again. Kevin, hello. Good to uh, see you. This is, you are one of a few two-timers here. Right on. Uh, what, so, what's our uh, what's the material anniversary for two years? Is it, was I, it, is it wood? I don't know. Paper? You, you almost got attacked by a cat. Does that work? Yeah. That <laughs> okay. works. Uh, this time you brought along a friend, Noah? Yep. Um, no, what's your last name, Noah? Berman. 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 Yeah. Uh, the two of you played uh, the reason we're here today... Uh, is to talk about your new album. Last time you were here, you mentioned it. Uh, we were talking about Shift Away, and you were like, oh man, you can't, I can't wait for you to hear this stuff. I did hear it a few weeks later. Um, and, uh, first of all, uh, what the fuck, Louie? <laughs> <laughs> but second of all, no, um, the name of the new album is Haha. It's coming out June 2nd. Yeah. Uh, you guys have, uh, uh, some shows coming up, some release shows. Um, if you are a fan of Shift Away, I think, like, well, I'll, I'll ask you guys this: like, 
a fan is listening to Shift Away, and all of a sudden they put on Ha Ha. What do you think their first reaction is going to be? I think I think it'll be a little bit of like, oh, that makes sense, but but that's that's different. Yeah. That's new. But I think there is something about it that that uh, is definitely a continuation of the last record. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a continuation, though, I think, into the furthest reaches of honor and respect. I mean, when um, uh, Shift Away, I think, by by the very design, how you design it, was somewhat insular. Uh, there's some lush parts on it, but it was very uh, self-contained and, mm-hmm. and very... This opens up, uh, I think, right off the first track into, like, just outer space. This is, like, um, you guys, uh, like, expanded the insp- instrumentation. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, big time. So on Shift Away, there wasn't really a set instrumentation. It was kind of... The only consistent across the board was my vocals. Um, it was a, a record that was made primarily of, like, vocal music, songs, and then I deconstructed what was a guitar, piano part, right. and and injected samples in kind of like a collage mm-hmm. style. Uh, but this record uses some of that technique, but a lot of the instrumentation is performances by Noah, Matt, and Ethan. Noah next to me plays guitar and Matt is on drums mm-hmm. and Ethan played woodwind, so sax, clarinet and uh and flute. And so a lot of the things that are similar about Shift Haha from Shift Away is that it does use a lot of the the collage technique. Yeah. But what's different is you have this set instrumentation that kind of grounds it in a new way. Yeah, that has to like interpret like the different parts of the collage. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um why go that route instead of make a shift away too? That's a good question. Well, first of all, I uh, s- started working with Noah to interpret shift away into a, a live setting. Mm-hmm. And so no, no, you didn't play on shift away or did you? I played on Clementine and Heartland and I had worked with Louis a little bit before. Um, right. I mean, Clementine was like 2011. Yeah. That was a long mm-hmm. time ago. Um, and yeah, I mean, for this record, I just wanted to bring my friends in. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was also, we, we'd played some, I'd played some with Ethan, um, who Noah introduced me to, uh, these were the kind of live arrangements of shift away. And, and as soon as I played with them that this, we have to get this guy on the next record. And, and then they recommended Matt and, we kind of had a phone call. Matt and I had a phone call. He was like, okay, I've heard the demos and I have some ideas. And I just said, great, I trust you. I'll yeah. see you for the weekend. We're going to be recording this. That was really it. And then he showed up and he did his thing. And I was like, I think after the first take of the first song, I kind of like hit pause and turned to everybody else in the room and said like, yeah, thank you. This is <laughs> I'm glad this worked out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it, and it did. It is, um, I remember you sent me an email. You said, "Yeah, I think you're gonna like because it's more of the live instrumentation, and and it, it definitely." Um, uh, although I, I like the electronic stuff, man. <laughs> but, oh yeah, but but no, this is um, the the playing on this outside your work as a songwriter is this. It's almost like a weird uh, amalgamation of jazz and electronic stuff that somehow like fits into like what you're doing. Was that something Noah that you and the guys were were working on or? Well, I really, I mean, I've been playing with the other guys since 2008, uh, in in, like a bunch of different groups, like from free jazz to like playing transcriptions of like Britney Spears songs and like no, so like they have like a a B side, please say it's a B side. (laughs) (laughs) So they have, they have like a really wide scope and like a wide sort of aesthetic range. Uh Um, so I just sort of trusted them. I mean, there were certain things there's a few elements that where they were interpreting either a drum beat that Louis had already thought of and Matt expanded on. And there were a few things Ethan did that were from like our live arrangements. Mm-hmm. Some things that used to be guitar parts became yeah. woodwind parts. But for the most part, uh, we really just let them, I mean, Louis let them do whatever they sort of thought was good. Uh-huh. And that was the same with me for my, for most of the guitar parts. It was really just like, what would you do? Uh, without much interference, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and Louis, I know how how you uh, describe how you can be in the studio and you're just putting stuff together and stuff. Did Did you guys have a clear vision 
um, after you've recorded your parts of what the song was going to be? Or is it just like, hey, we did this, we got this knocked out, and then let's go? I mean, oh, just just our parts and then well, before like, we Well, like your parts. Like you have a clear mm-hmm. vision of the song, Louie. Um, and then you have this different instrumentation that they're playing, and if you're making a collage out of it, yeah. Some, I, I mean, I was surprised by a lot of the things that um, Matt and Ethan did. Yeah. Um, especially like fire, like a lot of these songs before Ethan added his parts, uh-huh. they do sound pretty different. Yeah. But there, there also was some kind of uh, creative editing in, in terms of, you know, I, I think a lot of. Uh, my technique um, is is kind of I, I sometimes think of it as like improvisational editing or yeah. like performative editing in terms of I don't necessarily have a plan, mm-hmm. but you know when you see some of the stems that you're given, you kind of then shape and and even Noah did some of this too on fire. Mm-hmm. There's a a couple of there's a track that you made out of splicing together some yeah. guitar parts that you've done and some vocal and some electronic stuff that you did. And so there is a lot of, there's still a lot of collage elements yeah. in the record that I think are very similar to shift away. Yeah. Well, let's talk about fire for a second. Mm-hmm. That is a big, um, uh, I, I don't want to say EDM. <laughs> 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 there's a lot of that on this record, actually the two songs that I, I really wanted to focus on a little bit, but, but that one is, um, it takes, uh, this we like good like pop song and like what you're doing and it is very like banging on the club sort of that 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 synth beat was that like what you were going for to like get this yeah it's i i i uh in terms of the beat i think that it became clear after we made the record that i was really obsessed with four on three yeah so like triplets against quarter notes or uh, any type of relationship of three on four that's not particularly something that you hear a lot in dance music yeah it's like edm type dance music you hear it in other types of dance music but um so in that sense like i, I wasn't necessarily trying to do anything particularly um idiomatic mm-hmm. uh but it, we looked back on the record and we just saw all of these four on three relationships everywhere and that matt totally brought out yeah and um and it's certainly in Ethan's parts and in and in Noah's parts too. So there is kind of a pervasive um like rhythmic grammar. Yeah. But I don't know I, I it certainly wasn't intentional. This is just kind of the things that I was feeling yeah. um during the writing. I mean, wouldn't you say I, I, we certainly didn't sit down and say, Yeah, we, we need to have it- these grooves. It was a motive way after the fact. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's also, but that idea of like three, eight on four is, I mean, I remember in college, like in ensembles with Matt, we would just like do that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the teacher's like, we're going to do this rhythm now and you're going to, and like everyone's going to like, yeah, you know, resolve <laughs> it. And- it's funny. Cause I remember that was the first thing I, I like actively practice. I used to play piano as a little kid yeah. and there was a, a Debussy arabesque that has, um, a three on four mm-hmm. section. There's a, the, the right hand is in three and the, the left hand is in four. four yeah. And I, I, I specifically remember that is the first piece of music that I practiced. Right. And so, and I did it like every day I would do it like on top of the piano lid, I would just tap it out and then I would play it. And so I think maybe there is something about it, like that being the first piece of music that I actively mm-hmm. like had to internalize um, without it kind of being an intuitive thing for me. 
it's possible. I mean, we're doing some deep therapy right now. It's yeah, possible. no. Well, I mean, no. I mean, to that, I'm on the, the couch that, right that, now. That, yeah, to that, to that point. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like yeah. You, you. I mean, when you learn how to play, you get in these patterns and you get these, and mm-hmm. they become completely subconscious, and and uh, and then they just come out and stuff. I, I have not heard, and like not just the beat, but actually the the timber of those synths, and then it, you know, like that pre-chorus. It's like we talked about Kubrick the last time. Yeah. And I'm just like, wait, man, is this what scene from what sci-fi movie is this? But then it collapses into this like massive like free jazz jam. And then was that expected or was that just was like you guys were like, hey, check this out, go. Yeah. I don't I mean well, Yeah, go ahead. So I got the songs first after Louie had mm-hmm. been doing it, and there were these sort of uh, breaks in between the verses where he the the synth part was just going, mm-hmm. but there was no vocals. So what I I was in bed, so I just I didn't want to play, so I just destroyed an, an another track that I had already made that was yeah. in the key. It was like a different tempo, but I just started like putting shit around mm-hmm. basically. And then when Ethan came in, uh, he didn't have a part for the first that first break. So we just said, like, go, you can go nuts, basically. So that's why the saxophone. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a weird thing. That is the uh, third track, right? Yeah. Yeah. On the record. And, you know, up to that point, you know, you've got uh, yourself away and then people you don't know is like uh, a fan. It's a fantastic pop song. Thanks, something, I, something I did I, uh, was actually. Uh, I told you this planet for uh, our friends in Roadkill Ghost Choir. Oh, and yeah. Andrew is actually, he heard the first song. He said, yeah, and he heard that. He's like, what in the shit is that? Because <laughs> like, they're like huge fans of like really good pop music. Yeah. Um, but so you have that and Fire is set up to be a little more like in the club pop music. But then this and it's just it. Uh, for me, it actually broke the expectations of the album a little because I uh, even after talking with you, I had. I was like, why? What, where did this come from? Right. And you hear it, and I was just like, she, Daria was upstairs listening to it, and I was like, oh, maybe we'll turn this down. That might be too much for her. <laughs> um, uh, so it, it's sort of an interesting thing. And then it just pops right back in. Like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that uh, it's, it's so hard for me to, like, um, objectively kind of look at what the flow of the mm-hmm. album is. Because in, from my perspective, like, they were all done – one at a time. Yeah. And so, and they were, they were written without like an order in mind too. So it's interesting to hear you say that like fire subverts your expectations or it like settles into. Yeah. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Because it is like up until that point, it's it's like, this is what this is going to be. This is going to be like a little more refined than shift away. Perfect companion piece. Mm -hmm. I think I, I emailed you about saying, um, it's the way uh, like Sturgill Simpson's last one fit with High Top Mountain. You know, it's just a little different, a yeah. little more refined. But you know, I think when you go back and listen to both, you're like, well, they're both motherfuckers of albums. So uh, Thank you. and well, um, yeah, and it is the same with, with these two. Um, but uh, the you know you you get from that, and then I think you drop right back into the uh, which is this is my favorite song on the album, White Moth. Um, another thing I didn't expect, even though I guess it, it is on Shift Away, uh, nobody should be doing Bon Iver in 2015, <laughs> and yet... <laughs> Take me with the green of the sun and take me down I only want to be the one you think about it 
uh, you have this like amazing like thing that like I, I don't know how fans if you're an indie rock fan and if that's what Bonnie Bear what got you into that uh-huh. like I don't know how you could hear this and just be like oh my god this guy's a fucking master or is a Jedi master <laughs> like um, with a bass drop in it oh <laughs> <laughs> a bass drop into essentially, and I don't mean this as a slam. You, you know me, I don't. But yeah, yeah. essentially, like a Dave Matthews horn jam. <laughs> so <laughs> I know that none, neither of you were thinking that. What, what what was going through your head when you're trying to make that? You know, it's like uh, that's interesting. I mean, I think that a lot of the that that drop that happens yeah. in that track i th- was really kind of a I, I had this moment where i was like really stressing about the arrival of the 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 a section coming back yeah we, the kind of that jam section and i kept pushing it back and i kept pushing it back cuz i felt like it wasn't it wasn't arriving like it, it just like wasn't the moment wasn't happening yeah um and I had been working on like a lot of film trailers for okay. work, and that sound is like everywhere, <laughs> right? And and uh, uh, the the Superman uh, Man of Steel, the death by dub stuff or something. I, I don't know about that. that. I also wrote the after the thought. <laughs> it's just this is like like low sweeping synth, uh, and I thought you know like I was just thinking about trying to like divorce it from any cultural context. Yeah. It's a really powerful feeling thing. And I think a lot of the moves that I make on this record, I'm trying to take like moves that might necessarily be um a little over the top. Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to put them in a context where it's like everyone can say oh, okay, we're doing this. Like yeah. This this drop is happening. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's that's... like but it comes out of it comes out of a section that's like total metric and key modulation that I feel like all right, we've already done the cheesy thing. Yeah. Like it's already happened. It was yeah. just like embrace a little bit. I mean, what do you think? These are ways of thinking about the song that <laughs> I was not uh really aware of. But that's cool. <laughs> like I never even thought of it as a. I mean, it it might be a drop, but it doesn't like yeah, come back with anything a, that's. It's a sweep. Different. Oh, yeah. a sweep. Okay, a yeah. sweep. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't know if Ethan has heard Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. Getting, I mean, I definitely have. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have. But yeah, I mean, but it, it is, and and you know, and. Like you've had many people sitting around listening to him, like, "Oh shit, where the where, where did that come from? Why is that on Louis' record? Well, what that's the good. shit?" But it it fits so like yeah. perfectly with the uh, so, I mean, and you could go back and be like, "Okay, this is more like a brand for Marsalis jam of like the the middle eighties or something when he was doing yeah. pop stuff with like the Dead or Sting." Like, I mean, if you want to take mm-hmm. it back, but um, you know, it it matches the. Uh, I think emotional content of the song because you have this very fragile like first portion, and then it goes into a second portion which is almost completely different, yeah. and then brings it back into yeah. this. And yeah. like, oh, and yet somehow it all <laughs> sticks together. <laughs> um, I I mean, I I'm fascinated by how you put this together. <laughs> well, I think a lot of times I'm thinking about these things, um, more like, uh. Um, complementary mm-hmm. elements rather than cultural cultural signifiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, moves like that for me are less about like, okay, this is where the this is like a, a move from a dance piece, or this is a move from a trailer, and this is more like I need something that is like visceral, mm-hmm. something that is not pitched, something that is uh, kind of akin to like an edit or a, a harsh cut in yeah. a film. So I mean, my that's my approach. I, I think a lot about. I try and, if I can, get away from genre thinking as much as I can because mm-hmm. um, I, first of all, don't know enough about idiomatic music. Yeah. To yeah. to like really feel like I can make reference points that are totally spot on. Yeah. Um, and so I just try and avoid that and try and think more texturally and more kind of like, um, fl- like flavors mm-hmm. in a. In an abstract sense, if that makes sense. Was there, um, 
for the album as a whole, was there a, uh, uh, I guess, a, a emotional core, emotional concept, or was it more that what you're talking about? Yeah, is- that's interesting. I mean, I think that there is an emotional context to the record um, in this, in its like, uh, in its relationship to Shift Away. Yeah, but also in its treatment of some of the themes that I'm Mm -hmm. dealing with. You know, for me, this shift away was a lot about kind of grappling with solitude. Mm -hmm. Um, And haha is very much about togetherness. Yeah. um, In a kind of both, you know, personally and also community and kind of just where I am in my life. And also just literally like in terms of making the record with these three other guys. Yeah. yeah. um, It's about, for me, it's about, kind of the other side of the coin shift uh-huh. away shift away is about solitude this is about kind of a coming together yeah um and so there are kind of like just ecstatic moments in the record that i think that shift away kind of um doesn't doesn't reach uh, mm-hmm. and, and so i i think that that's a big emotional component to it but also the record has to do in my mind with like um kind of the the complicated relationship between like where where I begin and end and mm-hmm. where other people come into my life. So I think White Moth is a really good example of yeah. that track. It's like for me the song is about intimacy, like a very intimate Yeah. But it's juxtaposed with images of like incomprehensible scale. Yeah. So it starts off with a, like a very kind of intimate moment of togetherness yep. in the beginning. Um, and the B section is kind of about massiveness of scale in terms of um, the reference. There are like all these references within the canon. There's like mm-hmm. references to there's the Beatles. There's like Catcher in the Rye. There's yeah. um, uh, so, so and, and it's, that's where I'm thinking. I'm thinking in terms of like creating juxtapositions Um and in that juxtaposition, kind of commenting on how uh, it's hard to tell where, like, where you are and where other people enter into that space. And yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. No, 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 it yeah. does. I mean, there are, um, yeah, there, there are personal songs, obviously, on the on Shift Away, but the ones that that one in particular, mm-hmm. it, it it it's funny to hear you say like include. It does feel like you know letting people more in yeah um you know and even if you go towards you know the back of the album you know get to like uh closing track uh, great conversation i mean that's mm-hmm. you know um a heavy thing but um do no harm yeah you know that one is uh i, f- I think an analog to it would be something like heartland mm-hmm. or something on shift away but this feels more like um a lot of it feels like instead of like you, you recorded this like boxed up and you don't want anybody to see it. A lot of this is like mm-hmm. you know, here, take a look. And this is like this may or may not be about like me, but it like, should resonate with you, the listener, right? Because these are sort of I guess universal concepts. Well, I don't. I don't. I, I think that there is some universality to it, but I tried to be pretty like cognizant in terms of try to keep it a little cultural mm-hmm. too in terms of there's a lot of reference that one of the points i kind of try and grapple with is that like i think in american pop culture there's a big um there's a big emphasis on there's a promise that's made mm-hmm. with a lot of American culture and in terms of like, especially in like rock music or like there is a don't promise of a lifestyle there. It's, it's usually aspirational. I think a lot of, a lot of music is, is very aspirational. A lot of American music is aspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in like free. It's kind of, there's, I call it like the promise of rock and roll. Yeah. Um, and it's, to me, that's the juxtaposition. I mean, that, that's the intersection, excuse me, of of like what it means to be a consumer of art and to like just to live in this world. It's like... Um
part of what I love about music mm-hmm. is is that I, th- I think it's an analog for like living in life, which yeah. is that y- especially making music, um, a lot of it is navigating where you fit uh, in the canon or in relation to other people, and um, and I think that. For me, when when like faced with like the vastness of all the other music that's out there, yeah. it's like really, really challenging. Yeah. And uh, so, a lot of this record, I took a lot of solace in just kind of like keeping it contained and keeping it focused and like just doing what I can, yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to kind of like uh, trying to do everything. Well, I don't know? see you ever like tra- patronizing your audience. I mean, that, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, at the end of the day, you write a song and. Um, you know, there's the old, we might have talked about this last podcast, the old thing where, you know, once you, once it's out there, like it's not yours anymore, but you know, people, uh, look to art, music and stuff mm-hmm. to like validate or define something in them mm-hmm. and stuff. It's up to you, the artist, you guys, um, you can't see pointing on a podcast, but <laughs> to decide how much, um, responsibility you have to that. I personally think yeah. you have none. I, I think it is. Yeah. I, I think um, that, uh, and this is why we're in the mess we're in with the music industry as far as the value of music or whatever and stuff. Uh, your responsibility is to make your art, and it's not. Uh, there's nothing you can do theoretically, although we definitely talked about that. Yeah. Um, that will make people like it and make them want to buy it. Yeah. So when you, if instead you do what I think you succeeded in doing is with this album is just make a Louis Weeks album. Right. Well, it's also, you know, it's funny because in a lot of ways it's, um, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. That it's not, it is very much a me record, but it's also, it's hard. That line is so thin because it's also, mm, sure. I feel like it's, um, it's a, it's a me record, but it's almost like my, um, like you can see everything I've eaten musically for lunch that day, Mr. Goodbody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's very transparent in yeah. like in the uh, in in like my influences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, and that's what you're choosing to give up on this record. That's what you're choosing to like show people. Yeah, yeah. And so, it's a complicated thing because you know, it that that act right there ties it in with consumerism. Um, it's, it's not like I, I went off, um, into an isolated, like part of the world and didn't consume any music and right. just, and just gave you like my bio rhythms. Wait, you didn't? You know? Um, that would probably I was, I was, I was expecting a goddamn cabin story, like, but I guess I'm not going to get it. Noah's a, a good shot with a crossbow. Oh <laughs> yeah. Nice. Possibly found, uh, found sound that lands on one of these tracks. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it, so, well, to that, like, when you guys play live, uh, we just talked about a guy, uh, Patrick Watson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard him, but yeah. uh, he's a guy and he's a band. But when you guys play live, are you like Louis Weeks or are you Louis Weeks? That's a good question. You didn't have that joke about it. There was a, and that's yeah. why that's why I asked. There was a joke about it on, on we Twitter. We are all Louis Weeks. <laughs> it's like the Spartacus yeah. scene. Um, yeah, we haven't we we haven't worked out. A like a there's no name for the band. Um, right. I th- you know have to be yeah that doesn't no, have to be. No. Yeah. <laughs> well and there's no name for Patrick Watson's band right. but it is it is an understanding that like none of that happens like live without anybody in that band and I think yeah. he acknowledges that by just saying we're Patrick Watson the band if yeah you, if you want to talk to Patrick Watson the dude maybe he'll be around after the show I don't know <laughs> that's good yeah <laughs> but uh, but yeah I mean so I mean do you see you guys more like that or yeah i mean at this point the the record that we made is such a group effort mm-hmm. and the shows that we're preparing for are so collaborative and um there's so much like the record that yeah. that uh these songs like I, they're fundamentally different from shift away and that i don't think that i can play these songs by myself um yeah, I mean, I can I, see that. And it's it's so much about the arrangement and about the interaction between the parts uh-huh. that that I mean, at this point, that's the that's the 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 show that we're 
that we're touring. Yeah, you know? I, I think it'd be weird to like uh, see you play people you don't know by yourself. <laughs> it would be a different thing. <laughs> it'd be I mean, like, I've, I've tried to do it, and it's kind of like a weird karaoke thing. Yeah, it's, it'd be like super happy, and it's like, who's that guy? There have to be backing tracks, and it's like, mm. it, there's something eat, like depressing about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it says. <laughs> the dark underbelly of uh, haha. Yep. Um,. <laughs> So let's talk about live. You, you got a uh, show coming up at the Howard. Yeah. Uh, you guys did go off and record. You said recorded in a weekend. The album. Yeah. So the like the my parts were written. The songs were written over the course of probably six seven months after uh, Shift Away was written. Okay. Some of them were even written before some of the songs in Shift Away were written. Like right. Antelope and um, Great Conversation mm-hmm. and Believer. These were songs that could have potentially gone into shift away. Yeah. But they were, they were, uh, something about them didn't fit with the record. They were too, I think, chord progression oriented. Mm-hmm. They weren't as like loop based. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they weren't very sample heavy. So I knew that, okay. So I knew that these three would go over here. Yeah. We've set it aside for this other project. Um, and then I kind of just started writing one-off songs and the way it kind of worked was I knew from the beginning that I wanted it to be a double, um, kind of, I wanted it to be an album made of two halves. Yeah. And so I kind of just. And the splits at parentheses. Yes, exactly. So I, I remember writing one that was a, um, I wrote Mighty Lonesome as kind of a response to, um, fire oh wow and and so you kind of like you add one to one yeah. side you add one to the other side and sooner or later you have like kind of a a, a complete thing right but um the songs were written over a course of a while and they were arranged for a computer over the course of a while mm-hmm. but the action and you guys spent quite a, a a bit of time arranging and writing your parts but the actual recording happened just over like a blitz 48 hour period um, seriously damn yeah <laughs> but you know ethan showed up with pages and pages and pages of notation that he oh. made for the whole album yeah. so it was just a matter of just doing it yeah the preparation was done yeah um your process that you just described is very smith's like though really they would all they would write songs in batches of three usually for singles they would have mm-hmm. and uh and johnny marr would be like well i have this kind of song I need to contrast it. So I'll do one in like six, eight. Yeah. And I need to contrast it. I'll do like how soon is now like a long jam with like three chords. Mm-hmm. And that's how he oh, that's limited himself. And yeah. But the, the, the way that we recorded this is also kind of my learned method from work, which is that right. you, I, I make commercial music um, for television and uh, movies and video games and stuff. And in order to churn out stuff really fast and get as high quality as you can, you have to just prepare everything and then bring in um, players who yeah. just who can just nail it immediately. And there isn't really much time to uh, work with stuff in the studio. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of a lot of my recording process is based on that. It's I, I prepare as much as I can, record it, and then figure it out afterwards. Um, so, so, right. So, so when you, when you take this stuff live though, how is what you learned from seeing them play it going to apply to these shows coming up? Like have, have the, yeah. I, mean, I mean, this song, I, you sent me this back in what, December, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this album has lived a secret life, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, these songs aren't necessarily like completely new to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Are they growing? Are they changing in you guys' rehearsals? Or, or are, they, are you just sticking to the plan? Well, I mean, from what I can see, it's, it's funny because, um, like, in a lot of senses, I feel it's been interesting to me to watch these songs change as the guys have, have yeah. taken um, ownership over their parts. And from what I see kind of looking in is I'm watching each of the guys uh, kind of reducing the parts down to, like, an essential gesture right um a lot of there's a lot of overdubbing um on ethan and noah's parts and i've watched you guys kind of talk about okay how can we reduce this down to just one person playing it i mean is that how you see it yeah i mean 
it's it's sort of impossible, but you try like figuring out ways to play two of the parts at once sometimes. Mm, right. But I sort of feel like that process of like figuring out what the songs are live is going to be like an ongoing thing for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that over the course of a lot of like more rehearsals and more shows than what we're talking about is, I mean, that can really take right. a period. Because I've been in other bands where there was like a heavily overdubbed record that you have to interpret and it can take like months to actually, but you just have to, to do shows yeah, and you yeah. ha- and. And they're going to be like good, yeah. But like you'll you'll realize what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But it's it in- takes a while. Yeah, and it's interesting too. We were talking about how just today about how, um, you know, I think a lot of this, a lot of the changes that happen in the record, they're taken care of because they're on a grid, yeah. and um, and and you can just stop editing or you can stop recording and you can just start a new thing. But mm-hmm. in live, you have to be a little bit more. Um, creative about it and the system of cues that we're kind of starting to set up where like guitar players will signal a change into a B section or the saxes will signal a change going into this. That to me is a really interesting technique that I, I definitely want to to hone because it, it is a way of keeping that precision that I think the record does a good job of expressing, but also keeping it free and, uh, um, like exciting for live. Yeah, I mean, U Street, they they definitely breathed a lot more than I necessarily expected. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was an interesting. Thing. I mean, you could tell that this was this was like you were saying a trial run. Like it's, we we're doing this and we're not quite sure what we're doing, but we're going to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was it was again after after sitting and listening to these songs for so long now to hear them have this different life. It's fascinating. Uh, I mean, I'm personally looking forward to the Howard show for, for that specifically to see how far you've come from like the U Street show to see yeah. what gets worked in, what gets. Well, it's it's. I think it goes a big thing that we should say is is that a big challenge for me and for I think for this process has been getting the computer off the stage, um, really? and a lot of the ways that we did shift away was mm-hmm. a kind of mix between triggering and live improvisation. We ha- we knew the form of the songs and we knew the, like the, the changes and we kept the computer parts in to give it a, a texture that was reminiscent of the record. Yeah. Um, but there are just so many live players that are going to be working on the haha live set. Yeah. That, um, you know, our goal is to like, take the computer out entirely and rely on, you know, Matt's rhythm keeping and all the different textures that the, that the performers can get on their instrument, um, to kind of, to interpret the sounds of the record in a way that's like super live and undeniably like handmade. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it is a different thing. I I I think you and Steve, uh, both talk about that. Like how it's, yeah. I mean, you know, Steve. Steve's set is a is kind of a good example of that. I mean, we made my role in making Steve's record was was so computer heavy. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, what he's succeeded in doing with this live show is kind of taking the essence of some of that those gestures and yeah, giving it to his players and doing that. So yeah, it's a, it's definitely a different thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on his end because in in his end is. It's interesting to see, like for his record and the, and the work you did on that, but it's it's uh, it, it sets it apart. Like mm-hmm. it, like there's, uh, I wouldn't expect like any of that to be in a live show, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I like I don't. He doesn't drop the uh, the vocals in, does he? No. Yeah. See, those, like yeah. I, I I can see where people would do that, and mm-hmm. he, but I wouldn't expect that. Like that, that just seems to be weird. Yeah. Especially the side of venues he's playing. Yeah. But here you go. Here's the thing. Like, well, I think just in general with like the computer, I think that what I'm still figuring out is, um, is how to incorporate it into a live setting that is performative and mm-hmm. not just um, like preparation, like all prepared parts. Yeah. So. Uh, and that's going to take years of work on my part just yeah. to just to use the computer like an instrument as opposed to uh, backing tracks that kind of beef up the sound on stage already. Yeah. So so that's that's a longer term project and I'm 
I'm sure that um, I'm sure that that'll take lots of twists and turns as we as we figure it out. But for now, what what we're mostly focused on is like letting the like crazy players that we've right. put together just like let them do their thing. Are are, are you ready? Uh, are you ready to be the front man? You, you've been doing your rock squats. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about finding that right cut of jeans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't do Bob Weir Bobby shorts. I'm not. Shorts. I, I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take no, but seriously, I mean, you know, this is you know it, it, whether it's you or whether it's Louis the band is that mm-hmm. you're now out front. Yeah, you're the guy that people are going to be looking to, and and you know, I, I think if people listen to this yeah. or, or see you live or into it, then they'll know all the work that you're doing in the background. But the the yeah. business is that- well, you know, it's interesting. Like I, I I have to have frank conversations with myself about what exactly people want to hear from me, like. Um, <laughs> And a big thing that happened when I moved to DC and one of the big, I think we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. but one of the shows that I played that was really like huge for me in terms of figuring out how do I react with people when I'm not playing my instrument is, is kind of letting people into my process, I think is a much easier way to talk to a crowd than saying like, how's everybody feeling? <laughs> you know, like, uh, I, I don't think that people want m- to hear me say stuff like that. I, I, and I certainly don't want to, you know, my challenge is how, how do I vocalize? Yeah. Um, the, like the essence of these songs and how I made them and in a way that, that compliments and doesn't like undercut or, um, or even just unnecessarily drown out just the, the music itself, you know? Yeah. So no, it's like, no, like Steve on the side is a hype man. Yeah, uh, Boston. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody wants that. No, no. Um, back to the album a little bit. Uh, the uh, it's on great conversation. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great like album closer. Oh, Was nice. it always that? I think I always knew that that would be the 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 final note. Um, I, you know, it's funny. Like, we, I don't think we ever had any conversation about like album order did we not other than the basic idea these five songs will be first and these five songs will be last but great conversation is sort of historically the set closer true yeah Yeah, that's how we have ended live shows before and um it's a kind of uh i think that it also has a um it's it's a song about um preparing for mm-hmm. an ending in a yeah. way um and and i always like that you know i think my favorite part of that song is the is the line we'll resume yeah in that great conversation in the sky yeah um and there's something about 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 that sentiment i just love that it's at the end because it really and i think like a lot of songs in the record that fade out there's this sense that there are no real hard endings in this record, but right. there are just kind of um, soft endings that, that imply a continuation that you're not necessarily present for. The last thing I said is I walked you away from the world. We'll resume in that great conversation the sky whispers a light from the darker side of the room hope and echo from that faint conflagration in your eyes Um, and so, th- just thematically, that felt right to me. It, it does. It's weird. I, I, I don't know if I've ever asked. Are you generally like spiritual person or uh, like organized religion? Well, either. Uh, no, 
No, I I went to a, a Quaker school okay. um, for middle school and high school. Yeah. Um, and I guess if if like I was if I was raised in a spiritual setting, like I, I guess, but it's a very secular kind of thing. But right. no, I'm not a spiritual person. I think that there are what appeals to me about um, kind of alluding to the to the the yeah, big, yeah, yeah. the bigness yeah, yeah, yeah. of something like spirituality is is scale yeah well it's interesting and the reason i ask is because uh jay clark you know, mm-hmm. down here like we talked about that and mm-hmm. uh, and uh he had sort of the same answer like i'm i'm not necessarily and um but you you mentioned like the bigness of that and that is you, you go through this album and you have these things you're saying and moments you're sharing and stuff and then to get to a song that is, like you said, it's about like it just keeps going on, and this is mm-hmm. just, um, I, I mean, that's a that's a big idea, but almost more uh, intimate an idea than some of the smaller moments on the record. Yeah, like that's, that's how I interpreted it. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if there's a narrative it, to this record, if, if you had to like create one, like for me listening to it, it it it, it is uh, exactly what I just said. You know. You sharing these these moments along the way, but really the whole time that it all filters down to that one song. Oh wow! And and so you really these are parts of what everybody thinks about mm-hmm. of, of this bigger thing, and that song like acknowledges the bigger thing. Yeah, for the first time on the record. Well, I think that there is a progression in the record in terms of a there is a slow burn from kind of maybe the kind of solitude that was in shift away Mm -hmm. toward a kind of togetherness. That's at the end of great conversation. Um, and you know, it's, 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 I I have always identified with that kind of hopefulness. Yeah. I definitely think that, that in my personal life, um, I think it's easy to get to kind of succumb to cynicism. Yeah. But I, Look at your talking to you now. <laughs> I, I, but I generally think that this is a super hopeful album. I think it's one that oh, absolutely that like that at the end of the record yeah. ends on a note that's that's um, about togetherness. Yeah, I mean it's funny what I said to you when you first came down here about uh, shift away mm-hmm. was that I'm not necessarily a uh, a big electronic music guy and I wasn't yeah. putting I wasn't pigeonholing that into that. Right. But if somebody is coming to a record um and at all times I'll speak in like generalizations just so somebody listening can understand, you know mm-hmm. what we're talking about. But um I also don't tend to listen to a lot of hopeful music because I don't think it's – I almost rarely is it done correctly. Mm-hmm. But this album is. Oh, wow. Thank you. And that was the first thing when I heard it. I was like, man, this is uh, – and it's been in a lot of stuff that I've been – I've been liking some weird fucking albums this year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just like you can put it on. Uh, it gets to that last song – very hopeful, but throughout it's just uh, uh, you feel good. Yeah. Well, you know, I, it's interesting you say that. I mean, and I'm kind of having a revelation like on on air right yeah. now. But like, it occurs to me that like, you know, in my personal life, I'm a very like day to day anxious person. Mm-hmm. But overall, like, I'm super happy. And so yeah. I think that yeah. that like small scale anxiety. We could do a with, whole podcast about that. Mixed, <laughs> mixed, mixed with like large scale happiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I that's kind of like a uh, a a big part of um, that. That's definitely a big thing, and it's probably why Noah and I get along <laughs> well. Yeah. I mean, I think that all the anxiety on the couch. No, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just in terms of like, um, you know, when you're making a record there's a lot of stress and detail mm-hmm. and anxiety that just goes into it. And it's not easy. It's like super, um, it, it can be, it, it can get prone to, um, self-criticism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's nice to hear that, that you, you find this record like hopeful and, and that that's a happy one. That's, I, I don't know how you couldn't. I mean, yeah. as a, if you could have seen, um, 
the 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 smiles on the uh, the roadkill bros faces oh, that's nice like and and this was like a first listen and it's just like I mean, there are also people who love music and, and they're making music but yeah um they were just like that, that show that night they were like oh, is he gonna be there man, yeah. i'd love to meet him man oh, shit. <laughs> um because it is it is something that is touching i think on uh some similar sounds going around yeah but achieving a feat that like Almost nothing else does. Well, thank you. Having this emotional core, it's partially because what you're doing, a lot because what you guys are doing too. I mean, the the instrumentation I think builds that. If you um, and and you probably know this, but if you hear an electronic drum as opposed to like a a live snare hit, Mm -hmm. your body like chemically reacts to it differently. Yeah, it's it's a very um, physically everything about music is physical. Yeah, like it's it's. Uh, some people say it's like the only art form that actually hit like touches your body, yeah. Because the the air is physically, you know, m- messing with your body, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it 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 definitely is going to change the way that you yeah think like, about it. Like I don't listen to hardcore at all anymore, but there's mm-hmm. a band in DC coming up here, Disgust. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was around, um, it's getting a little heat, and I really want to go see him because. You need that physical thing. Yeah. I will never listen to it on the record and be like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm down with that. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, the physicality of it is is super important. Um, so what do you guys want to plug? You got – we're coming yeah. up on an hour. I mean, we can – Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got the show um, on the 28th of May, which okay. is a Thursday at the Howard Theater. Um, and you should buy tickets in advance. Uh, we're hoping that, yep. that all those tickets go. Um, and if you're in New York, we're playing Arlene's Grocery uh-huh. on the 30th. Um, and we're going to be in Baltimore at Church & Co., which is in Hamden, on uh, the 5th of June. Okay. And then from there? From there, we're, we're going to try and keep finding some more shows, yeah. um, play in places where um, mostly strangers will come watch, hopefully. Yeah. The, yeah. That's the goal. And uh, just keep, keep playing. How about... Uh Labels. Oh, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, like, if you're a label listening to this and you don't buy this fucking album, you're f- a fucking idiot. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, I've said that. But to see people. now, now, Kevin, the, whoever might want to sign us, you you've just called them a fucking. Idiot. That's okay. That's, that's how <laughs> it no, goes. You get a lot of they like might, they might be an idiot. They <laughs> might be an idiot. Um, no. Um, yeah. I mean, how, how was how how has that process been for you? That's something we didn't talk about. You know, I. Uh, I don't know what the process should be like. Yeah. I um, I would love if there are people out there who want to help us get our music heard more. Uh-huh. That's like, that would be the, the that's the goal, obviously. But uh, I don't know what the process is supposed to be like. Right. So who knows if I'm putting in the, the right amount of work, the right type of work. Um, but, you know, I think a, a lot of what we're hopeful about is that like if hopefully um uh playing the shows live and playing the songs live um will get the word out to more people mm-hmm. about the work that we're confident in with the record um i think that i personally feel very comfortable and confident like making recorded music yeah um and but i know that that's only kind of half the process yeah for a lot of people especially um people who whose job it is to promote music yeah um so you know with i think i'm going to need a lot of practice and a lot of like yeah stick to um and to be honest a lot of luck a lot of luck yeah and timing and there's just a lot of things that so, go into it so, so there's a lot of people like pushing for this like oh trying to help you. And, yeah and, and you've been a, a big proponent of our well music. i mean uh, well, thank you but, for that uh, but yeah it there's a lot more people than me to be sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, a lot of it does come down to luck, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, our heads, at least, you know, my head is in the space that I just, you know, I think we just do the absolute best job that we can yeah. and ultimately just like try and be really good musicians about it, um, about our work. And, uh, hopefully at the end of the day, that just kind of takes care of everything. So, yeah, I mean, this, the project, especially the live version to me is still like in like very early stages. Sure. We've really hardly done any shows like yeah. even just us. I mean, yeah. it's 
probably no more than 25 shows ever. Yeah. And that's like a really small amount. That is, that is. It's like incredible. Oh, and that's over the course. Especially of like, if you're going by the ten thousand hours model. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's over the course of a few years. And like, and the people involved in the project have done many shows, but just not this music. Yep. Yeah. So. Yep. It's like. Yeah, it's it's hard, it's hard to worry about it because we haven't really done that much. Right, mm-hmm. and it's what this is 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 we're taking a a project that was it's a recording project. Yeah. And we put in a lot of hours on that. Yeah. And now it's just time to put the hours in on, on this thing. thing and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm predicting good things are going to happen. I'm predicting great things, hopefully. Well, uh, thank you. Hopefully. But, uh, Louis, thank you for coming down again. No, thank you for coming down. Thanks for uh, anytime me. you guys want to come back. Kevin, thank you, you. You know where I live. Hopefully yep. we'll have food <laughs> next time. Less cats. Uh, so yeah, go, uh, go see Louis Weeks at the Howard. If you're in DC, we're going to put, the show notes and everything. Anything Great. you send me and shit, I'm just going to put it in a link. And Perfect. And then the uh, album is out June 2nd. Uh, buy it. Uh, buy it multiple times. Buy it and give it to a friend. <laughs> <laughs> do what you got to do. Uh, all right. We'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Thanks. There you go. That was round two with uh, Louis Weeks, uh, with, of course, Louis Weeks, the man uh, himself, and his friend Noah. Uh, always a pleasure talking to Louis. First time I've talked to Noah, but uh, definite pleasure talking to him for this. Uh, glad they had the chance to stop by. Hopefully they'll uh, be back soon. Maybe with album number three. Who knows? Maybe that'll be done soon. Who knows? Um Right now, what I do know is you probably saying yourself is like, "Oh my God, I have to, I, I have to put ha ha in my ears now." Uh, two short weeks, guys. It's going to be available. You can buy it. Uh, you can stream it. You can do whatnot. If you can't wait till then, uh, why don't you think about meeting us at the Howard Theater on the th- uh, Thursday, five twenty-eight? Um, Louis Weeks is going to be playing with his friends, fellow creatures, the Elman Stories. It is going to be a great night of music. It's going to be a celebration of this album. Uh, and and really it's birth into the wild so it can begin to live for you. Uh, we're going to be there. Obviously, Louie's going to be there. It's going to be a good time. So come on out. We'll put a link in the show notes, like I said. Uh, buy your ticket and come have fun. Uh, that is about our podcast for this week. We're going to take off for the next week because sometimes a man has to take a vacation and that time is now. So uh, while we will be hanging out talking about stuff, we won't be doing it on a microphone uh, for the next week or so. Uh, when we return, though, uh, we got lots of cool stuff coming up. We're still uh, trying to figure out when we're going to do this Mittenfields podcast for you. Going to have a mid-year sort of check-in of stuff. Not not a top ten uh, as much as is stuff that we might have missed or, or smaller stuff that we think is, is worth talking about that maybe hasn't been covered uh, by us or anybody. Uh, who knows? Maybe we have some surprises there. Also, uh, a little looking a little forward, we're going to be doing a podcast about the Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead are wrapping up uh, or celebrating their 50 years at a at Soldier Field in Chicago over the 4th of July weekend and myself being a huge Deadhead and a Grateful Dead fan uh, along with some other friends of mine who are like-minded in their appreciation of this music uh, are going to be talking about that so look forward to that Uh, as usual you can listen to us in iTunes you can subscribe to us five of you have rated it Uh, so that's sort of like the honeypot I swear it wasn't us uh, because one of them was a one star, and that person is awesome. But uh, so subscribe to that, rate us if you feel like it, write a little review, give us some feedback, listen to us on Stitcher. You can download it from the site. If if you email me, I'll email you the file. Uh, really, uh, we're just happy uh, if you're happy listening to us. So we will talk to you in a few short weeks. As always, remember: be good to your ears uh, and be good to your people. See you later, guys. Feel about what's happening. <laughs> 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 Kenobi.